You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Good morning, Castle Hills Christian Church. Uh, my name is Matthew McBirth, and I'm very glad to be able to be a guest preacher for us this morning. I'm coming down from Joplin, Missouri, from my institution called Ozark Christian College, and I want to start our message off by asking a question. Have you ever been in a desert? Now, I'm not talking about desert in the sense of extreme heat. I'm talking about a desert in the sense of very little life-giving sources. I've never been in a desert before myself, but I have been in a, to a situation where scarcity seemed to be what was defining the day. One time in college, a group of my friends went on a wilderness retreat where we were gonna be out in the Ozarks in the wilderness just there for the weekend. One of the days on this retreat, we decided to go and do a day-long hike and we each only had one canister of water. About halfway through this day-long hike, I had consumed all of my water, and needless to say, I was very parched because I still had the rest of the day to go of this hike. And so we went through the fields and the hills, the mountains and the valleys, and finally we reached our destination. And when we got there, there was a van there waiting for us to take us to the cabin where we were going to hang out for the night and do some more things. We get into the van, and I am tired. I am feeling dehydrated. So I look around in the van to try to find some water and there's none to be found. So now I'm starting to freak out a little bit as we are driving to the cabin. Because I know that that night we still have things that I have to do. Still have things to get set up. I'm leading a lesson and I'm just feeling exhausted. So I say to myself, Matthew, okay, grab some food that's in the van, eat it, right, so you can get the energy from it, and then everything will be okay. You'll be able to figure out how to go from there. So look around in the van to try to find some food, and the only thing I'm able to find is this small can of Spam, okay? Now, I don't know why we brought this, but for some odd reason, we brought this can of Spam. And I don't know much about Spam, but I decided to go ahead and eat it, and I found something out about it. Spam is very salty. Now let me paint the picture for you a little bit about as this trip from the Ozark region to this cabin in this van. We're in the van and the driver is speeding, going up and down hills and winding spaces. He has the heat blasting and it is raining outside and is dark outside. So inside it feels extremely humid. I am tired, okay? I don't have any water, and I feel exhausted and dehydrated. And now, in that moment, I just put an immensely salt-saturated piece of meat substitute into my body. Later on, we got to the cab and everything ended up being okay, but I made sure to plant myself next to the trash can just in case my body decided to reject that spam. Being in the midst of a desert, or in the midst of a place where there's very little life-giving sources, in the midst of a scarce place, can make us do some pretty silly things in order to satisfy our needs. I ask the question again, have you ever been in a desert? Now, I don't mean a literal 
desert, and I don't mean what I went through while I was in college. I mean in, in a sense of where you are going through life and you feel like it was running on scarcity. You felt like life was lifeless, that it was difficult. Maybe you're in that moment right now. And if you're not, it doesn't take too much time to look around you or to turn on the news and see that our world seems to be operating out of scarcity. Words like war, jobs, gas, bills, hospitals, death, they trigger into our minds and our memories moments of mourning, moments of loss and of pain. I don't know where you're at as you're listening to this, but our world is operating out of scarcity. And I believe our text for this morning has a word to us to address what we are dealing with. So if you have your Bibles, I actually want you to go ahead and open up to John chapter 2, verse 1 is going to be where we're at. We're going to read a short passage here in a moment. But I do want to go ahead and tell us what I think the main point of this text is. And that is this. Jesus is the source of life, which allows those who know him to live an abundant life. Let's go ahead and look and see how Jesus does that in this text. John chapter 2, verse 1 says this. On the third day, there is a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out of it and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. John finishes the story by saying this, This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. The passage ends, but what is the major point of the situation at Cana in Galilee? I think we could read this story and maybe assume some things about Jesus, but it's not the main point. For example, you might be able to think, okay, well, Jesus turned water into wine because Jesus knows how to have a good time. And regardless if that's true or not, it's not the major point of Jesus turning water into wine. What I think what we need to pay attention to is this word sign. This morning, we are beginning a new sermon series called I Wonder, and it just so happens to be also the theme of VBS this week. Throughout the Gospel of John, specific miracles of Jesus are paid special attention to, and it, this happens through John calling these signs 
are they are considered signs. John, the gospel writer, who is also one of the 12 disciples, does this because when we see this miracle, when we see this sign, as it says here in the passage, it points to who Jesus is. So the significance of the sign is that it tells us how we should understand Jesus, how Jesus wants us to know him. So here's the question, what in the world does Jesus turning water into wine signify? Well, I think someone in this story, in this day, already knows the answer, and that's Mary. I find two interesting aspects about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and her interaction with her son, Jesus. The first interesting aspect is this. When the wine runs out, she does not go to the chief servant to tell him what's happening. She does not go to the bridegroom or to the host to say, hey, the wine is out. What, what, what should we do? She goes to Jesus. Interesting. Second interesting aspect is this. When Jesus pretty much responds by saying, this situation has nothing to do with him, Mary seems to understand and think he's going to do something anyways. Because in that response, she just reacts by going to tell the servants, hey, do whatever my son tells you to do, which eventually leads to Jesus turning water into wine. So what does, what does Mary already know about Jesus? I think it's this. Mary knows that Jesus is the Son of God and that God does not operate out of scarcity, but that God operates out of abundance. That God is life. That life exists in him. And since Jesus is God, he brings life everywhere he goes. That this is who we serve. That this who loved us so much that he gave up his life for us. This is what Jesus says. He says, I freely give up my life for the world. This is who we know. And this is how we are supposed to see Jesus. Not as something or someone that operates out of scarcity, but out of abundance. Jesus is the source of life. And then therefore, those who know him, we can live an abundant life. When wine is talked about in the Old Testament, one of the ways it is used is to symbolize God's presence amongst his people. Let me give you an example. When wine is scarce, God says the reason why is because you are far from me. Better yet, he would actually, he would actually switch and say, you are far from me. And there are consequences that come from that. And that is practically scarcity. And so it says, there will be no more wine. But then he also says later on to his same people, he says, you know, I'm going to come near you. I'm going to come near you in love and compassion and justice and mercy. And when I do, abundant life. So abundant, and the wine is used here, that it will be like wine is flowing down from the mountains. So, if Jesus, in this situation, turns around 150 gallons of water into wine, it is signifying 
that Jesus is God in the flesh. And here's the good news. He has come near to us in love and compassion and justice and mercy. That he has eternal life and that those who believe in him can live abundant lives. This is what he says in John 10, 10. I have come so that they may have life and life to the full abundantly. Now, this is where we start to get a little bit skeptical. This is where we start to say, well, Matthew, did you not just, you know, do you not remember what you just said a few moments ago about those words that trigger moments of mourning, like war, death, loss, jobs, gas, all these things? Maybe you might be thinking, okay, Matthew, well, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but I don't see hills flowing with wine around me. What do you guys say about that? And I want to say I hear that. Friends, Jesus does not bring a prosperity gospel. But don't get it twisted. Jesus' gospel is about going to people who are in the midst of scarcity and bringing life into those situations, allowing those people to experience abundance in the midst of scarcity. Can I give you an example of what that looks like? I remember hearing a story of a mass shooting that took place in 2015 in Charleston, South Carolina. To be honest, we live in a world where grace and mercy are scarce where the norm is actually people being isolated and keeping everything to themselves. This mass shooting took place at a church. It's by a man named Dylan Roof. He went into a Bible study one night, and he actually sat through the Bible study, and then at the end of it, he got up, brought out a gun, ended up shooting and killing nine different people present. The reason why, and he said after being caught, was racial hatred. Fast forward at his court hearing, he is sitting there, he's, he's being live streamed um, through um, the court system because he's currently, it was in a jail cell. The family members of the people that he killed come to his hearing. And of course they have the opportunity to say whatever they wanna say. And you would expect in that moment for them to look at the judge and to ask for the worst possible penalty for what he did to their family and to their friends. And although they definitely expressed pain, they didn't ask for such a thing. Matter of fact, they expressed forgiveness. There's two ladies I wanna highlight here. One of them, looking at Dylan Roof and Roof being able to hear her, she says this, we are the family that love built. We have no room for hate, so we have to forgive. Another woman talking about her mom that Dylan had killed says this, I will never be able to talk to her again. I will never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you. You see, they recognize that even in the midst of a tragedy that they had gone through, 
that because of who Jesus is and because of what he has done, because they experience the abundant grace of God, they are able to live abundant lives in this moment. Jesus is the source of life. And those who know him, he allows them to live abundant lives. Friends, I'm not saying that we have to act as if everything is okay. I'm not saying that we have to lie to ourselves and say that the world is fine, because it's not. But what I am saying is that we live our life because we have been given so much. The Charleston, the family members of the Charleston Nine, the reason that they are able to be so abundant in their forgiveness and grace towards Dylan Roof is because they experience the abundant forgiveness and grace from God. That people are able to have joy in the midst of darkness, joy in the midst of pain, because Jesus walked into pain. He walked into darkness and he brought life out of it. Jesus brings abundance out of scarcity. So when you are in the midst of that desert, know that Jesus is the everlasting water that quenches all thirst. That when the world feels like it's full of hatred and division, know that Jesus is the one that brings peace to the friction. When you feel like the physical, spiritual, or emotional pain is just too much, friends, go to Jesus and hold on to him as your crutch. So what's the sign? What's the good news? Jesus turned water into wine because he is the God who turned scarcity into abundance, darkness into light, chaos into peace. Oh, we have seen him and we know and believe him because he has come near to us and he has turned us into people trapped in our sins and in darkness and has brought us into the light through his cross and through his resurrection.